Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN+, Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan here with Linda Cohn. And Linda, it was a wild week in the NHL. I felt like there were so many games that were wild comebacks. I was between the benches for the Blues Lightning game, the two most recent Stanley Cup champs. Lightning scored three goals, first six minutes. You can look at the Blues bench. Craig Ruby's like literally muttering under his breath breath unbelievable and then all of a sudden the blues storm back win four three in a shootout but i felt like wednesday night all anyone wanted to talk about was the toronto maple leafs nathan mckinnon returned with the colorado avalanche to face them and what did the maple leafs do they crushed them yeah leafs uh they own november we were on to december emily uh they were the best team in the month of november and they start off december with another win they're 15 and 2 in their last 17 games but, you know, when I was hosting in the crease last night with Barry Melrose, I mean, I asked him, you know, a serious question. Is this sustainable? Are the Toronto Maple Leafs built for the postseason? That's what the fan base wants to know. And, and, and the thing is, I want to believe yes. And it was just so much fun watching Austin Matthews, another hat trick in his career, a second without the mustache. Key component. He looked 12 years old without that mustache. Side note. But uh, it didn't change how great he was. I asked his mother if she liked the mustache over the summer. She does. That's all that matters, right? As long really? as mom approves. Yes, as a mom, I would say yes. But, I, I, you know, I'm sure he, he can do no wrong with his mom and vice versa. So uh, anyway, back to the on ice, uh, what we're seeing. We saw Zach Hyman. It was a funny kind of game, not for him. Twice he thought he had a hat trick for different reasons. One was an offside, you know, review that worked against them. Another one, he had another opportunity. Uh, but he, he settled for the two goals. But that's what I like what I'm seeing out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Plus, they did it against the Colorado Avalanche. And as you mentioned, Nathan McKinnon coming back. You know, I thought this was going to be the kind of, isn't it weird? Like earlier this week, Jack Hughes, your boy, came back and then the Devils lost. When a superstar, when, you know, one of the faces of your franchise, in the case of Colorado, he is the face of that franchise. But Jack Hughes, one of the faces, and now he's richer, by the way. Did he mention that to you during the, uh, the meal you shared earlier last week? But I digress. When a star comes back into a lineup after he was hurt, you would think, oh, the rest of the team is just going to lift their game. It's going to be amazing, and they're going to win. No, Jack Hughes, they lost that game. The Devils look lost in that game. And Colorado gets destroyed eight to three. They allow eight goals. Uh, I just when I thought Colorado was coming back and making me look a little better, and I'm not alone that I picked them to win the cup this year. You know, they had that winning streak going. I think they had six in a row. Bednar got his extension. Everything was right in the world. And then when you lose eight to three, I don't care if it's against Toronto. And the other thing I made the- It did have a late scratch of Darcy Kemper though. And I felt like goaltending was like a little bit of a storyline because it was another e-bug night where we're like, oh, there's an e-bug here. Maybe in Toronto, we're going to see someone get in. Right. No, that's true. In the first period, uh, the guy who's called up, I don't, can't remember his name. Please forgive me. I should care. I do care about e-bugs, emergency backup goalies who don't, for those who don't know what the term is. 
But, you know, the Edmonton Oilers watching them, Emily, last night, playing a Sidney Crosby, Pittsburgh Penguins team, Penguins in Edmonton, always fun to have those two go up against each other. And it was interesting. Uh, we all know this. They're two different players. And, of course, Sid is a lot older than uh, Connor. Connor McDavid is only 24 years old. Can you wrap your head around that, Emily? He's only 24. He had another four-point game last night, second uh, this season. Uh, just remarkable. But, again, what the Oilers are doing is that, the way they do it, built for the postseason. I know we both have to wait to see how this plays out. And I'm telling you, points mean a diff mean everything during the regular season. And being entertained the way we are by those two teams, Toronto and Ed Edmonton, are huge. Um, but I can't wait till we fast forward to because I'd like to see it. I know. So those two teams, you know, it's after American Thanksgiving. So I've started to make some calls and figure out who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller at the trade deadline, because American Thanksgiving is usually the benchmark that teams look internally and say, if we're in a playoff spot, um, it usually portends that we will be at the end of the season. Um, the thing I've been hearing again and again is that the goaltending market is going to be hot. Jonas Corposalo, Jonas Corposalo, everyone expects him to be moved from uh, Columbus. Dallas, uh, the three goalies there, I think once Ben Bishop's healthy, everyone expects one of them to move. And maybe it won't be Brayden Holpe because he's been kind of awesome for them. Right. Um, but the two teams that need goaltenders are the Edmonton Oilers, probably, and the Toronto Maple Leafs because Jack Campbell has been awesome. But Peter Mrazek being injured and not being available, I do think gives them yeah. pause. So I think it's such a cliche thing. It always comes down to goaltending. But when you ask, is this sustainable and can they do it in the playoffs? I feel like that's going to be a yeah. storyline for both those teams. And I would love for Edmonton to be especially aggressive here and get yeah. one of their names. Well, I mean, I'm waiting for Ken Holland to do something. I hope I was hoping he would address this in the offseason. I guess he believed maybe he, we didn't know. We can't get into his mind, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, um, that we thought Scott Skinner you know, the young netminder would be a perfect backup. Uh, he hasn't been bad, but uh, last night's win was all about Mika Koskinen. Koskinen was great. Uh, he made some timely saves. I've been one that's been on his case. I've been on the Edmonton Oilers case and the way they've handled it, not going out and getting a goalie. Uh, yeah, maybe finally he's going to see the light knowing his team is that much closer because I love Ken Holland. I love the moves he made. I love that he brought in Zach Hyman and things like this to make the Oilers a gritty, gutty team. And again, getting back to the comparison with Toronto, Emily, do you think Toronto has enough of that sandpaper? You know, Nazem Kadri used to be at Maple Leaf, right? I mean, that's what they kind of miss. Who's filling that void? I know they look better than they did the last couple of years, even during this regular season, even though it's just December 2nd as we speak. But maybe they need to go out because Jack Campbell is doing a, you know, Freddie Anderson imitation. Because yeah. remember, Freddie had all the workload in Toronto and he was exhausted by the postseason. Yeah. And this is what I'm afraid that's going to happen with Soupy Campbell. I know. Well, hopefully Peter Mrazek is back soon. Um, that's but I'm not a believer in Peter Mrazek. Are you? I mean, well, I, it may be my boy because he's also a Chelsea supporter and he came on my Chelsea podcast. Oh, another one. Peter check. So he's actually my boy. I'll take him. Okay. Uh, no, it's interesting though. Um, it's an interesting question. And I don't know for the sandpaper thing though. It felt like last year that was Kyle Dubas's big thing, right? He's like, okay, to win in the playoffs, we need to get grittier. Um, and I think who is that guy? It's Wayne Simmons. Like that's the guy that I think yeah. we're on, um, you know, when they get to that point, but has to stay healthy. He does have to stay healthy. Isn't that always the question with everyone? They just need to stay Especially healthy. the older guys, you know, Wayne Simmons has been in the league quite some time. So I worry about that, but yeah. No, same go. Load management is like, it's a thing that 
hockey players don't want like hockey players constantly just want to play all the time and they never want to rest. And I think coaches battle with it. Like it was interesting when I had the Chicago game against the Blackhawks and we're talking to Derek King ahead of time, he was saying like, I kind of need to manage Jonathan Tay's ice time and workload. And especially because he missed all of last season and just getting back into it. Um, and someone like Wayne Simmons, he doesn't want to take nights off. He wants to play no, every I, night. Yeah. It just reminds me, we were talking about Wayne Simmons and he used to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Now the Flyers, as I jumped to the you know, negative, we've talked about two positive teams in Edmonton and Toronto. I got to jump because the Flyers have lost seven in a row. There are whispers about Elaine Vigneault, as there always is for a head coach. Um, what's going on with the Flyers? You know, injuries are part of it for sure. Like not having Kevin Hayes, not having Ellis was a big guy they brought in. Like that hasn't been great. There's just something missing with this team the last two mm. years and Carter Hart I will give him credit he seems to be bouncing back in a not a big way in a significant way where we're not worrying is he a bust and is this a guy right. too fragile for that market or something like that um there's just the cohesion is missing and another team that in this offseason Chuck Fletcher looked at the team and said okay we need guys who know how to win we need guys who are leaders in that way and that's what we brought in it just hasn't gelled yet I think they have the potential to, because I like all of the pieces that they have. I like the players and I think it can work. Um, but then you wonder, okay, if the personnel is there, maybe it's a coaching and maybe it's just not jiving with that specific coach with this specific group. And then sticking in the Metro division, Linda, you mentioned Jack Hughes's extension. I just want to talk about it for a second, because I think a lot of people said eight years, eight million for a guy that has barely played. Like what are the devils thinking? If I'm the devils, I make this move 10 times over a couple different reasons. this off season, Tom Fitzgerald, the GM literally sent an email to agents saying New Jersey is not a bad place to play. It's not a bad place to live Here are All the benefits of it. When you have to do that type of recruiting, you know, <laughs> you kind of have an issue. New York is right there. It's a great skyline. You can see from New York, from Newark. It's all good. Exactly. They say there's nice parks, there's museums, there's good school systems. There's the access to the city yada 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 you have a young star and if you believe in this young star who is confident in himself clearly remember right before jack hughes got injured he's throwing the stick into the crowd showing that bravado and he wants to commit to you and not just do a bridge deal you've got to do it because you need something to build around i think the eight million dollars honestly it sets the market rising tide lifts all boats like i know kirby doc for example um has more points than Jack Hughes and is like, great. I need a new contract. This looks amazing for me. Yeah. It helps people. But yeah, I just want to piggyback on yeah. that because uh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, this is an investment in your organization's future. Okay. With all due respect to Nico Heischer, which is one of my guys. Okay. I love that captain for the New Jersey devils. He does it all, even when he's not producing on the ice, but Jack Hughes is your guy. I mean, overall big picture for the devils, you're investing in your future. You believe that the points are going to come and everything else that goes with it. So I think it's a great deal. And you know what? It's going to turn out to be a bargain. You heard me at 8 million a year. That's going to be a, a bargain for the New Jersey Devils. Once the salary cap goes up, I think that contract will age very well. Okay. Someone who is also going to age very well is a player on that Edmonton Oilers team that Linda and I are pretty high on. And it's Darnell Nurse. We caught up with him to talk about the Oilers, to talk a little bit about who he is off the ice. And Linda, it's a fun conversation. And now joining us, we are super excited about this. It's Edmonton Oilers defenseman, Darnell Nurse. Now, Darnell, you've been out for a couple of weeks with injury. When can we see you back on the ice? And just how are you feeling right now? Yeah, the um, 
the recovery is going pretty well. So it should be on the, the same timeline. I think uh, our coach put out there uh, a week and a week and a half ago. So it's getting close. Um, I, I feel good. Like I've been on the ice probably since uh, a day after it happened uh, every, every single day. So whenever I get the green light from the doctors, I'll be, I'll be ready to go and jump right back in. What's it like for you, Darnell? I mean, I guess, you know, everyone's different. Every player's different. But when they're sidelined due to injury, I mean, how do you, I don't know, feel like you're still a part of the team? What do you do? Yeah, you know, it's uh, especially when the team goes on the road. I think that's even more, even more so uh, hard when, when you're injured because you're watching all the team, uh, all the games on TV. And when you go to the rink in the morning, there's usually like two or three guys there that uh, are in the same same boat as you. So uh, to stay involved, I mean, really, um, I'm talking to the guys all the time. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, watching all the games, kind of making my own analysis analysis of the game, and um, <laughs> that's that's kind of how I keep my that's how I keep my head in it. Wait, Emily, did you hear that he's doing analysis from afar from watching on TV like we would do? Do you actually share your insight uh, with your teammates from what you learned? Uh, no, if I mean if guys ask, <laughs> then I'll, if, if guys ask, then I always have. Oh, this is how the team. Uh, you know how, how we play, we're who better. Um, Devin Shore is actually out right now too, and we we bounce ideas off each other once in a while. So yeah, we're <laughs> a, lot, a lot of talking. I feel bad for whoever uh, whenever we're playing at home and and watching the press box. I feel bad for whoever's sitting beside because I'm usually talking the whole time. So <laughs> my question for you, I'm curious because you're someone who shoulders a lot of minutes, and it just feels like every year you become the guy that's depended on for the Oilers, which is awesome. But I've talked to a lot of defensemen who are in that position, and for some of them they like need the big minutes to get dialed in and locked in. Like I know I've talked to Matthias at home with the predators about that. And I can't remember exactly what his sweet spot is, but he's like, if I play under 20 minutes, I feel like I can't get the rhythm of a game. Are you like that? And is there a certain number for you that you feel like you need to get to, to really dial in? I don't know if there's a, a certain number that I need to get to, but uh, yeah, for me, like the, as many times I get on the ice and, and play and contribute uh, that's, I mean, I, I feel like I'm involved the whole time and, uh, you know, being in, uh, being in Edmonton and, and having, you know, great coaches that, uh, have, have relied on me a lot to, to be able to get up there and play a lot of minutes every other night. Uh, if, if, especially last year with a condensed schedule, you play every other night, you kind of just, just zone in and play the game. And I've, uh, tried to carry that on in, into this season. And, um, yeah, it's, for me, it's almost a two day process. Like the day before you're, you're gearing up your body and then making sure you're putting everything uh, in, in the right way and getting enough sleep and then just fine tuning everything in the morning and afternoon to, to get ready for the game. So yeah, if, uh, for me, the more minutes, uh, I, whatever I can handle, whatever you can throw at me, I, I feel like I can handle it. You know, Darnell, uh, your teammates, two of them, they're kind of famous. Uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. What is it like? I know what it's like, and I think I can speak for Emily and all hockey fans everywhere. It's just amazing to watch these two guys. But what is it like for you as one of their teammates? What goes through your mind when they do some spectacular things, which basically happens every night? Yeah, it's uh, each and every night, both of them, it seems like they're doing something very special. Um, and I mean, it's not even just in games, like in practice, even some of the things that they're doing in practice and having to play against them. Um, it, it, uh, it really helps you to raise your level, but at the same time, they make plays sometimes like, how did you even see that hole? Um, you know, how did you just pass that through three sticks? And, you know, some people would chalk it up to luck and then they do the exact same thing five minutes later. And it's just like, wow, this is uh, just, just a skill that they have. And 
and their ability to play off each other too. I think that, you know, when you obviously you see the plays that they make uh, individually and, you know, they can carry their own lines and then you see them play together, uh, especially on our power play and the, the plays they make out there, it doesn't matter what a, a penalty kill throws at them. And, you know, I'm sure every single team around the league, like you've, like you've seen our, our power play for the last three years, it hasn't changed much. Uh, and those guys are still still able to create even at a higher uh, higher clip than before. You know, the thing that stuck out to me the most about the Connor McDavid goal versus the Rangers specifically was his reaction afterwards. It was almost like he couldn't believe what he just did. And it was just pure joy on his face. And I couldn't help but think of just the way the media talks about Connor, like everything in Edmonton, the playoff disappointments, not being able to win the Stanley Cup yet is grating on him and the media attention. And like now it feels like he's finally having fun. So I'm curious when you hear all of that, how true do you think that is? Or do you think that Connor is just someone who doesn't know how to or want to share how he truly feels with the rest of us? Uh, you know, I think for him, he's like a very reserved guy and then shares, I think, when when he feels it's it's necessary. Um, I think he he gets tabbed into a little bit, you know, the, the superstar that that doesn't show a lot of personality. But, I mean, he's, he's you know, one of my best friends and, and has a ton of personality and he's great great human being and, and a very fun friend to, to have. So, um, you know, when, when every single night, every single person in the building's eyes are on you, um, it's going it's gonna to weigh a little bit on you, I feel like. And uh, obviously we want to have more success here in Edmonton uh, when, when playoff time hits and he's no different in, in that regard. So yeah, he's, uh, you know, when, when you see goals like that and um, I mean, I think, you know, it just shows obviously the, the type of player that he is and, I mean, as, as great as the individual stats are, I think you traded it all for, for uh, a Stanley Cup. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, uh, the playoff disappointments, it's so easy to get as just a casual observer or whether you're a hockey fanatic or a journalist like Emily and I or personality. We, we, we watch you guys and we root for you guys. I mean, I know I do, and I've picked you a few times to go further in the postseason than actually it happened uh, to be and how it played out. So coming into this season, Darnell, what was the message? I mean, how do you balance it all um, and realize and keep that goal on the prize and block out the noise? Yeah, I think like there's a process to this all. I mean, it's easy to to look at a team and say, okay, you've, you've had a couple of years where you've made it into the playoffs. You should win a couple of sudden. Like, that's just not how, that's just not how sports work. If you look, uh, you know, at, at some of the past cup winners, they've also, you know, Tampa didn't just all of a sudden win, win two in a row. I mean, they went through their hardships and in, in the playoffs, uh, you know, teams like Washington, when they won, like th these are all teams that have, you know, grinded their way to a Stanley cup. It didn't just happen overnight. And um, you know, we have uh, a great, great core of players and, and, and you know, great core of people who have worked to, to put ourselves in a position where we've had a, a good regular season so far. And you just got to build on that and, and get yourself back into the position where you can compete for a Stanley cup in the playoffs. Um, like I said, it's, it's not something that happens overnight, no matter how good your players are, the talent is on your team. It's a, uh, it's a process that you got to keep knocking at that door. And at uh, some point it's all going to click. I want to ask you, you know, you talked about Connor and he's kind of that superstar that is, comfortable not showing his personality but you seem someone who might be on a little bit of the different end of the spectrum correct me if I'm wrong um so I'd love just to know a little bit more about you like what do you like to do when you're not playing hockey do you have any interest that might surprise fans how do you unwind and who is Darnell Nurse yeah I have uh I wouldn't say I'm completely on the opposite side of the spectrum uh maybe somewhere in the middle but uh yeah I've, you know there's uh 
a lot of stuff I like to do away from the rink. Obviously, um, when I was growing up, education was a huge thing in our in uh, our family. You can play, um, you can play whatever sport you're playing, whether it was uh, hockey or basketball, uh, unless you had good grades. So um, I've tried to, especially over the course when we had a, a lot of time off during the pandemic and, and shut down, uh, get back into some courses and um, you know whether it was in you know one I when I took was in in Canada called the CSC where you learn about the financial markets and, and companies and you know how organizations are run and then uh, you can get a, a certificate from it. so I'm just just finishing up that right now um, I, I was able to take this uh, Harvard crossover the business course through through NHLPA where um, we're t- matched up with a, a group of three Harvard Business School students and you know, we we're able to go through some course studies and, um, or sorry, some uh, case studies and you know, come up with different conclusions and, you know, whether it was in sports or in, or in, uh, entertainment. So I like to, I like to dip a little bit into the education, keep my mind, uh, mind sharp. I like to read. Um, I, I, over the last few years, I've gotten a, a lot more into to my health and fitness and uh, what I put into my body and, you know, from reading, uh, reading books from my, I read uh, what, what I read recently. Uh, Paul checks uh, "Eat, Move, Be Healthy." Um, so I, I read some of that, and I have Ben Greenfield's "Boundless." So you know, there's uh, there's some some things I've been been reading, and actually the first the first book I read when it was given to me by a friend of mine in Edmonton um, during the pandemic. It's not the first book I've ever read in my life, but right, uh, we that got me that got me back into reading. Got me back into reading was uh, was don't 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 hurt me by David Goggins. So um, these are these are all you know just trying to trying to um, more well round myself and in all different areas, not just as a hockey player, but also you know off it, whether it's uh, health and fitness wise or um, you know mindset wise or even dipping into the business world a little bit. What was it like, Darnell, uh, growing up with a sister who was just as good athletically as you were? No, she was much better. But <laughs> uh, uh, I, I just tried. To, I was, I was trying. I was trying to work harder. But uh, yeah, Kia was a better, uh, better athlete than me. Um, so yeah, watching her progress. We actually had a an older sister, Tamika, who was oh. uh, yeah uh, eight eight years older than us, eight nine years older than us, and. Um, so we would go and actually are my first memories of really basically anything was being at a basketball tournament uh, for my older sister. Cause both my parents uh, coached and she ended up going on uh, to play at the university of Oregon and Bowling Green. Nice. Um, yeah. And then, and then my younger sister, Kia, we grew up and we were a year apart. So everyone always thought we were twins because we looked alike and we were very similar in age, but yeah, she was a much, much better athlete than, uh, than I was. And, when when she was 16 and went to play for a national team that's kind of when when she took it over and I had to uh I got humbled a little bit (laughs) understood (laughs) you mentioned that education was so important to your family and you just became an ambassador for free play for kids and you're going to develop the Darnell Nurse Young Leader Scholarship which to me just sounds really cool tell us a little more about that and what you hope to accomplish with it yeah so uh you know the, the scholarship piece I could actually Drag that back. We started uh, last year in Hamilton. We started a uh, scholarship at the high school that I went to, where uh, two we we pick two recipients and they get um, two forty thousand dollars scholarships. So they get you know, ten thousand dollars a year for four years. And um, so we started the scholarship there because I always thought, you know, how am I going to give back to to my community? And 
and my high school was always huge to me. It's a, it's a place where a lot of people in my family went. And then, um, you know, we kind of dragged it into Edmonton. Uh, I signed a long contract in Edmonton. This is going to be my home for a long time. So we were trying to find, you know, a fit in the charity that, you know, represents a lot of things that, uh, that I believe in and free play in, in Edmonton does such a great job of giving kids an opportunity to, you know, go play, be a part of a community. Uh, these are, a lot of these children are, you know, from, from immigrant family, uh, immigrant families are, you know, um, you know, going through somewhat of a, somewhat of an adjustment period and, and, and trying to, to find community and they, they do it through play. And I think that's so important. And my father came to Canada from, from Trinidad when he was uh, eight years old. So that, uh, you know, so, you know, people that are going through that experience, that, that kind of hits home with me and my family. Uh, and so, you know, the, the charity itself was so important. And then being able to bring the scholarship piece uh, along with it because education is so big. Um, I just think it, for me, it's, it was still in the, the early stages and we just started a, a couple weeks ago, but this is uh, something I'm so excited about being a part of and seeing where it all goes. That's very cool. I have one more for you, Darnell. Talk to me about this rivalry. I mean, I know how intense it is with Calgary, but now since the Flames are actually, you know, they're looking good. They're right there neck and neck with you, of course, throughout the early part of this season. Uh, for those who don't know, can you put into words what this rivalry is and how the fans take it and what you've observed since you've been an oiler and facing the Flames? Yeah, it's... Uh... Two cities that don't really don't uh, love each other, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> or I would say their fans definitely don't love each other. So uh, it, it's a I mean, I think it makes it even more special when both teams are doing well and, and competing for, you know, the division, top of the division, and um, you have a they have a really good team and, and played some really good hockey so far. And uh, I, I like the way our, our team's built and the way we played so far. So it's gonna be uh, it's it's gonna be these games are gonna matter so much. Uh, throughout the course of the season. I think they're, they're pretty well spread out that we, we face them basically at every quarter of the season. So yeah. um, they're, uh, they're, they're a team that obviously has come out and play really well. And whenever both teams are playing really well, the, the fans get you stuff for it. Uh, the yeah. players definitely get you stuff for it. And that's what makes a rivalry so special is when uh, there's a lot on the line. Okay. Before we let you go, I have to ask, we were talking about it a bit before we got on air. I just want to know like the vibe and dynamics of your locker room in the Oilers. So Connor McDavid comes out with this big feature in Architecture Digest about his house. The internet has a field day with all their comments. The next day he walks into the facility. What does the locker room say? Are they ribbing him? Are they making fun of him? Are they saying, wow, that looks cool? You guys have obviously seen the place, so it might have looked different uh, in presentation media than it is in real life. Yeah, no, I think we all loved it, to be honest. It was because, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a that's a the piece that uh, obviously – his girlfriend Lauren put, put uh, together all the all the design of the house, and I mean, like I said, the, the house is beautiful. So to be able to be featured on a on a um, you know publication like Ar Architectural uh, Digest, sorry, tongue twister. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think we we're all really uh, really happy for them. Darnell, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, no problem. See you back on the ice next no week. Problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, feel better. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. All right. Thank you so much. As expected, Darnell did not disappoint Emily, uh, made us laugh, made us smile. And, you know, I'm already a believer in the Oilers, but once he gets back into the lineup, I mean, he's itching to get back. Who wouldn't be? Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the Oilers can sustain it, as we talked about on the top of this podcast. I, I think they're learning on the fly. They're learning on the fly 
how to win all kinds of games. And last night's game with a win against Pittsburgh at home is an example of that because they were playing a team that wanted to slow them down, but the Oilers found a way led by, of course, their captain, Connor McDavid, to get that done. So once they get healthy, the Oilers, a lot of guys on that back line, including Darnell Nurse, the Oilers are going to be in good shape. They really are. And they're, it's so funny just how the narrative on them have just flipped so quickly, right? Like going into this year, it's like, is this team ever going to win in the playoffs? Is Connor McDavid just going to waste away some prime years there? And now we're talking about them as like Stanley Cup or bust this season. And I like that they're embracing that. And it looks like they're having fun out there. Um, again, I think they're going to be one of the teams that's active around the trade deadline. They need a goalie. I think they're probably going to try to pick up a blue liner as well. That's what I'm hearing. Um, and we'll see where they go. I know where I'm going. I'll be hosting in the crease tonight, <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> and then Friday, I'll be doing cut-ins during our exclusive broadcast. Emily, you know the game we're doing on ESPN+. Plus. It's Vegas, Arizona. And I love when you do cut-ins. When I was working the Blues Lightning game, and I hear in the headset, you know, the broadcast, and it's just so fun hearing your voice come in. It's like, yeah, so smooth as always. And Emily, it was so great to see you in between the benches, rocking it on Tuesday. So I'm glad you heard me because I heard every word that you uttered. Thank you. Honestly, my biggest takeaway from that game was Jordan Bennington's swagger. Like I said, allowing those three goals, one of them was very, very fluky. Bad. You could see on the um, bench in St. Louis, they were kind of deciding, do we pull him? Do we not pull him? I asked the assistant, Brian, did he consider it? He's like, that's not my call. He was kind of cagey about it. Uh, But they keep him in and then he played unbelievable. And then after the game, when I interviewed him, he said that I was like, what's going through your mind when you allow those three goals? And, you know, what is what are you telling yourself? And he's like, I kind of just laughed. And he said that the crowd was getting on him and he loved it. And hearing that swagger in him, it reminds me of the Jordan Bennington we saw during that Stanley Cup. Emily, I'm so glad you brought up Jordan Bennington because uh, that Stanley Cup run, he became so even though he had this swag and even though he gets into fights and even though he's, I love it as a former goalie, but the most thing I, the best thing I love about it is the way he shook. I was watching that game and to fall behind three to nothing. And that fluky goal, that's a nightmare for every goalie. Mm-hmm. He did nothing wrong. Okay. And that's his home rink. Mm. That's his home rink. You have to understand, right? When a, there's a crazy bounce off the boards, you don't expect that to happen. And it went right off the boards at the back of him and in the net. And that awful look when you're standing there and you're looking between your legs and like, oh no. And there's silence and the puck is in the net. Yeah. It's a way to come back. Uh, and kudos to that blues team had his back. That's what I love a lot. That blues never gave up. And you know what? I thought Baruby was going to pull him. So, you know, hand clap to Craig Baruby. He knows his team. He knows his goalie. Yep. All right. I know you and I know it's time to eat for me. So I think we should sign off. Okay. Before we let you go, we want you all to go. Please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst, Marcus Spears. He's Swagoo. And NBA champion and analyst, Kendrick Perkins. Perk! With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.